0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. The season finale of the Snooker Scene Podcast. We're recording this right after the World Championship final. Uh, I, for some reason in my mind I've got the TV show Dynasty from the 1980s which I remember because at the end of each series they, the, the actors were only in contract per year and you, you didn't quite know uh, which actors were going to be in the next series and there was a famous occasion where they went to the, a royal wedding in Moldavia which of course doesn't exist but nobody cared in the 80s and half the cast got massacred. Now hoping that's not going to happen, by the way I'm Dave Hendon and Michael McMullen is with me to discuss this, hopefully that won't happen here but you never know it's been quite an emotional uh, 17 days altogether here in Sheffield And we should start by saying Congratulations to Mark Selby World champion for a second time My word He worked so hard for it Didn't he Incredible performance uh, Just stuck in there And especially when Ding was coming back At him in the final Got the job done 18-14 We've just seen him uh, Michael in, in the press room mm. it, it was all a little subdued almost, yeah. as if, almost as if It might take till tomorrow
0: to, For it to sink in Yeah I, th- I think maybe Part of that was because I don't know about you But I was certainly Getting the sense a lot of, You know earlier on In the day That it was going to go Quite close yeah. And then it didn't in the end. Yeah. You know, Dean got back to 1614 and uh, you know had a chance maybe you know he hung in there in the next frame, but obviously lost that and then it just sort of as you say fell a bit flat. I think we'd become so used over the last two days to seeing epic frames lasting 50 or 60 minutes or whatever. And the last one wasn't like that at all, mm. so maybe you know we had it in our heads somewhere that you know eventually it was gonna finish with a big epic frame like that, and, and it didn't. But you know what it's like, players are so much in the zone that it takes them a while to come around. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've counted at least four times in this championship that Dean didn't know it was the mid-session interval. And that just shows how focused he's been. So, you know, snookers like that sometimes, I'm sure... uh I mean, Mark said in that press conference we were just at, he's very, very tired. And mm-hmm. I'm sure when he wakes up in the morning, if any new father ever uh, wakes up in the morning <laughs> feeling refreshed, you know, he's going to be very satisfied with what he's done.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, he started the final really well, of course. And maybe the the start was reflective of the fact that, he, obviously, he'd been in the final before. It was Ding's first time. Went 6-0 up. And then Ding did come back into it. And uh, 10-9... Uh, he got to eleven ten as well, but there was a big frame. I think it was ten nine. He won a long frame, the sort of frame Mark Selby would win. Yeah. And then Mark Selby came out and made a century, yeah. and that says a lot about him. He just shrugs off
0: things that that go against him. It was a bit like two thousand and three. Do you remember Mark Williams yeah. was eleven five up against Ken Doherty, and every time Ken looked like he might be taking control. Mark, every time, won the next frame. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit like that with another Mark in this final. Every time you thought, oh, you know, if Ding wins this frame, then suddenly maybe he's becoming the favourite. Every time that happened, it seemed that, that, that Mark Selby won the next frame. And, you know, if there was one player in the modern game you'd expect to do that, it would be Mark Selby. Because, you know, when needs must, he always seems to find it at, at, at just the right time. And, he did it again repeatedly uh, today and last night. I wonder if any any champion has ever won so many long
1: frames. I mean, there's so yeah. many frames that are either over an hour. I mean, obviously the record frame the other day against Fu, but, you know, 50 minutes 45 minutes, and he didn't win them all, but he won most yeah. of them. And, and that concentration that he has, you know, the, the, the absolute iron will on every shot, he never wavers.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I think Selby gets a disservice a lot. He's got a brilliant all-round game and people say, oh he's just a grinder. He's not. You don't win two world championships and become world number one for all these years by just being a grinder. Well he's made more centuries this season than anyone else. Well there you go. I mean that, that just underlines it. And you know you've got other players who are all out attacking and heavy scoring and people say, ah oh, but he hasn't got the all-round game. Here you've got a guy who does have the all-round go- game and people just call him a grinder. Which is, I think anyone who really knows the game you know, knows that uh, that isn't true at all. But what great company he's in now. Mm. I mean look at the other five players who have won multiple world championships. Steve Davis, Stephen Hendry, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Mark Williams, John Higgins, maybe the five best players of all time. Certainly five of the very best. And now Mark Selby's in that company, and he's still young enough to go on and add more titles. Mm. And also, you know, these long frames, you, you hear the frames 50 minutes and you think that must be terrible.
1: But they can be very engrossing, particularly because obviously I was commentating in the arena. Mm. You know, if, when you're actually there watching it and you're not just watching it on TV, you can actually see all the little intrigue around, the, the grimaces of the players, the crowd getting involved as well. Um, the crowd were loving it. I yeah. was in the
0: arena yeah. for almost the whole final. And, you know, the crowd were really absorbed by those, uh, those tight frames. Mm. They seemed to enjoy them just as much as as anything else. I think we underestimate, actually, the appeal of frames like that, because I said to you yesterday, you know, apart from the finals that Ken doherty has been in, when I've gone back to Ireland, the finals that most sort of mm. general public people have spoken to me about were probably Dot Hebden in 2006, where there were all those long frames. Mm. People actually, I think, really like those frames mm. a lot more than a lot of us realise.
1: Well, we'll come back to Mark Selby at the end yeah. of it. Let's, let's start at the very beginning. Um, it seems a long time since we were talking about the Crucible Curse and Stuart mm. Bingham. Day one, of course, defending champion... He came and he, he, he played and, and actually towards the end he did play quite well against Ali Carter yeah. but but went out 10-9. I mean it wasn't a huge surprise that he didn't win
0: it again but um, it was a tough draw wasn't it for, it the, for Stuart? Was, yeah. At least we won't have to talk about the Curse of the Crucible <laughs> again next year by the way. Yeah. Which is something You know that set the tone for the Championship because I said to you earlier this evening we saw so many matches in this Championship where a player got a big lead, mm. the other player came back but didn't quite finish the job. The only one that comes to mind... Where the big comeback did actually you know, go through to winning was uh, Trump against mm-hmm. Wenbo in the first round. But um, yeah, I mean, very hard draw. And you know, people made a lot of all these qualifiers winning matches in the early days. But you look at them, a lot of them were very experienced players. Yeah. Ali Carter, Alan McManus, obviously, who I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot mm. in this podcast. But uh, Carter, we, we know what a determined character he is. Very experienced player and uh, very experienced crucible campaigner mm-hmm. as well. Maybe in some respects more experienced crucible campaigner even than Stuart Bingham, so I don't think anyone was the, the, the slightest bit surprised, really. And I think Stuart just left himself with uh, with too much to do in that match. Even he didn't look massively surprised, I thought, when he found himself getting knocked out on the first day. Yeah, well, at least
1: it ended all the curse, curse talk. Yeah. I mean, Joe Johnson was saying that, you know, almost losing to Steve in 87, it, it, relief may be not the right word, but at least, you know, it was someone else's problem to be world champion. Mm. <laughs> Of course, the first round, there were a few shocks. Three of the top four seeds were knocked out. There was Bingham, Sean Murphy lost to Anthony McGill, and Neil Robertson lost to Michael Holt, who played the match of his life. I mean, that's the thing about that... Robinson played well in that match, but every time he looked like he was going to start to take control, halty was just played
0: unbelievably well. And look, we love halty don't yeah. we? But at the Championship League, I thought he's just <laughs> he's just gone completely. Yeah. Because I remember he, he walked out of a room one day, out of the players' room at the Championship League, and on the way out, he was said, "Right, well, what are my two remaining matches?" And it happened to be the two guys who were sitting at the table. And he said, "Yes, yeah, so later I'm losing to you and I'm losing <laughs> to you." I, t- I turned around to Kyron Wilson once halty had gone out of the room and said, well, "What chance has he got?" Mm. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what happened? to him that he looked so mentally strong in that match, far more than he's ever been in the past. Um, so a great win for him. Obviously, he didn't see it through any further, but uh, it was the first time he'd won a match here for what was it, eleven years mm. since uh, since 2005. And disappointing for Robertson, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, you know, he prepares so hard for the world championship. Mm. And, you know, he's so desperate to be in that category of multiple world champions. He'll be, you know, gutted, not on a personal level that he's got anything against Selby, but that Selby yeah. has got into that bracket before he has. Yeah. Yeah. He always seems to lose,
1: though, to people playing unbelievably well. I mean, Selby mm. two years ago, Hawkins last year, Yeah. now Michael Holt, but it's also true, and you can see it in the first round, the seeds are bang under it. You know, the qualifiers have had three tough matches, they're there, they're
0: buzzing because they're qualified, the seeds are under it, and, and, you know, that first round is a banana skin. Yeah, and being in the uh, qualifiers, I think, stood to a lot of players. You know, I mean, mm. we talk a lot about players wanting to avoid the qualifiers, and I think ultimately you would still rather be seeded straight in and not have to worry about the three qualifiers because you know you'd rather be guaranteed your place but a lot of players seem to benefit from that and really get get played in by being in those matches but the seeds absolutely they're always under pressure in that first round the ranking point situation as well because there are far more points in the world championship than anything else if you lose in the first round as a seed you don't get any points it all adds to the pressure and of course 19 frames by comparison to other world championship matches Mm. is still pretty short really you know Mm.
1: Ronnie O'Sullivan um, Mm. was in the headlines, he he beat Dave Gilbert, that was a good match, I mean Dave played terrifically well in that match and Ronnie did as well, didn't come in for the press conference, something happened within minutes of going in the dressing room, whatever it was, it was a row, we don't know, didn't do the press conference, then of course lost to Barry Hawkins in an unbelievable match that was, I mean Barry again just produced this incredible performance, Ronnie played well himself, lost the decider, And it was interesting after that, he did do the press conference, and he said, you know, basically, I I felt the pressure of being favourite. He said the media were giving me, a lot of people were giving me this tournament before I'd hit a ball. And, you know, everyone feels it at the Crucible. And I thought, he actually spoke very interestingly about what it's like to be the sports figurehead. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, I I think as well, there's an element there. I think the defeat to Selby two years ago has affected him in a Crucible context. Mm. Because 10-5 up in that match, we know how Selby gets under his skin. First time he'd lost a world final. And um, then, obviously, last year he played Stuart Bingham in the quarterfinals. It was the first time he was really put under pressure in the Championship. And he didn't respond to it well. And he didn't respond particularly well uh, when Barry Hawkins really put it up to him. I was surprised he actually battled back as well as he did towards the finish. And obviously, huge credit to Barry for the way he closed it out. But, uh, you know, he said himself, and it's something I've said a lot, he's coming here about a quarter of a century now, Ronnie. He's only won the championship five times in, in all those years, of course it's fantastic, but it's still only one out of every five <coughs> championships he's played in. And he's right, people go way over the top every year about how strong a favourite Ronnie is. He's been favourite for maybe 15 of those championships, hmm. and people every year, I think, exaggerate just how strong he is. I think they completely underestimate the rest of the field.
1: Well, we saw it when the draw came out, and you know, I, I, I've been guilty of this myself at times. You know, you, you go through and you think, well, he can't lose to him... He can't lose to him, you know, so-and-so's in the semis already, yeah. you know, before a ball has been Absolutely. struck. And the point is, yeah. this is a game, you know, they can all play it. So, in theory, anyone can beat anybody. I think we're all
0: stuck a bit, maybe, in the 80s and 90s, yeah. when you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot more predictable. Mm. I think we just haven't quite caught up with ourselves and where it all is. But, yeah, it was a good point Ronnie raised, and people do, you know, put great expectations on people. You see it in every sport, mm. you know, the expectations that are put on people. and You know, you forget they're human beings in the end, and, you know, they have their their failings and you know, you've got to go out there and do it. Mm. One player who impressed me was Kyron Wilson, oh, uh, got yeah. to the
1: quarter-finals a terrific match with Joe Perry, uh, beat Mark Allen in a quite a strange match because there were just runs of frames on either side. And then of course he came up against Selby in the quarterfinals, he did make that one full three which has stood as the highest break. But, mm. you know, he's someone who you could certainly see within a few years winning this oh, thing, yeah. oh, well, they with the right mean, attitude.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, he won the Shanghai Masters, yeah. it was a bit out of nowhere really, wasn't it? Yeah. But look what he went on to do then the rest of the season. Champion of Champions semi-final, German Masters semi-final, World Championship quarter-final. He's in the top 16 now, three years after getting back onto the Tour. That's absolutely fantastic. And He started the season, I think, about 56 or something. I was talking to Matt, actually, the the rankings man, Mm. and uh, we think it's the second lowest, bear with me on this, that anyone's ever been at the start of a season... Mm. And ended the season in the top sixteen. Mm. Ronnie O'Sullivan, I think, uh, had the biggest climb into it. But he looks the real deal, doesn't he? And I remember you saying, I think it was when we were in Coventry, he looks like he feels he belongs. Yeah, that uh, that makes yeah. a
1: big difference, you know. I mean, I think genuinely he feels he can be world champion. And if yeah. you, you know, if you don't, it's not arrogance. If you don't believe it yourself, yeah. it won't happen. Yeah. He doesn't come across as arrogant no, at all. No, no, across really one. Well. Yeah, he's a nice yeah. lad. He's committed yeah. to snooker. You know, he's got a young family. His father uh, has got multiple sclerosis. That's been a thing in his life as well. That's focused his mind. And you know, it's all good for Caron. And next season, you know, you've got to fancy him to really, to really push on. And as I say, his next uh, time at the Crucible, I'm sure will be as a seed next year. I'm sure he'll be there as a top sixteen player. And who's to say, you know, in the in the years to come, he won't he won't win it. Um, and he's got a good guiding hand, Barry, Barry Stark. Stark as absolutely, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good bloke, yeah, Barry. Yeah. Another good bloke is Alan McManus. Now, um, you know, I mean, the funny thing was, at the qualifiers, because um, I went up for the last day, and the idea was that if Alan lost, I was going to confirm with him for Eurosport that he would come and work with us um, on, the, on the Championship. Because that did not happen, because he got to the semi-finals. Uh, what a fantastic run. I mean, pretty, pretty much unprecedented, because for me, he
0: was playing better, actually, than when he got to the semis, when he was fancied to win the tournament. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. 23 years
0: on. Yeah, and I mean, you know, hung in there and hung in there against Carter, against Mm -hmm. Higgins, and came through in the end in both stages. I mean, the last time he was in the semi-finals... We were both still in school. <laughs> you know, I was half thinking watching it, oh, I better go to bed if you're up for school in the morning. <laughs> it, it was a bit like um, back in 2009 when Tom Watson almost yeah. won the Open Golf. He thought, this is like going back in time. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's not like, you know, McManus has been knocking on the door with, you know, being in a lot of semi-finals and quarterfinals. I know he's had a big revival the last couple of years, but this was still a little bit out mm. of the blue. And, you know, he was one of those players who was a long way behind in a match, made a great comeback, and it didn't quite... Yeah. Managed to see it through. But from 9-3 down against Ding, the way Ding was playing, mm. to get back in contention and make a contest of it was fantastic. and It's going to be really interesting to see where he goes from here because, as I say, he's had this revival. You know, he seems to he seems to be one of these players for whom success leads to further success. Mm. He builds on confidence. And now he goes into the new season. I think he's number 20 now in mm. the rankings. It's certainly about that. 45 years of age, but he doesn't seem to regard that as any kind of barrier at all. And, and why should he? Um, but, you know, who would have seen that three years ago when Alan was in the doldrums? He was kind of a forgotten man, really. Yeah. He was going to be in the World Semi-Final again.
1: Well, that second session, he made three centuries. I mean, he played yeah. perfectly well. I think there's a number of things. One he's just basic hard work. He likes practising, he's committed to it. You add in the knowledge that he has of the game, you know. I mean, there's a few players who, who have more. And just the, the, the sort of... The desire, I guess, to keep going. You know, I mean, he, he, when he was slipping down the rankings, it must have been difficult. But I think he's always just enjoyed playing. I mean, I did a podcast with him, and he said to him, a match is a match, whether it's yeah. here at the Crucible or in a qualifier, he approaches it as that same challenge. And I think also what what, what it's done, you know, at the age of forty five, him, him coming through, it sort of gives everyone hope, not just other players, oh, but yeah. actually, you know, when you see someone doing well at a time when you feel that maybe they they shouldn't be doing well, or the, or the moments pass for them
0: you say to yourself, well, why shouldn't I do something? Yeah, yeah. I, and I'll tell you, it worked out very well for Dominic Dale, because he got two weeks of yeah. uh, <laughs> h- highly lucrative work on Eurosport. Yes, and Four also World and also,
1: he got involved in a Twitter spat with oh, indeed. Judd Trump. I mean, it wasn't much of a spat, because there was no back and forth, really. He, I mean, I was there when it happened, actually. Dominic, you know, uh, as he's on Twitter, and he's decided to just pass a comment, because he's actually working as a pundit, TV pundit, commentating on, on the match between Ding and Judd, and he said, basically what he said was that Sting's Q- cue Q- Q- ball control was better than Judd's, and maybe if Judd has a weakness, it is positional play. Mm. And Trump, now cause this is the thing—he didn't do this like at night or you know on a day off. He did it in the interval at two-two. He went on Twitter. I think that's you know he can do what he likes in the yeah. dressing room. But then to tweet Dominic and tell him he was clueless, you know, it points to a bit of a sensitivity actually. Yeah, which I'm sure you know he's heat of the moment. Maybe he wish he hadn't done it.
0: But I'm not saying he lost because of that. But I think it illustrated that. The, maybe all wasn't quite right. And maybe, you know, was he really focused enough, mm. if you're thinking about things like that? now it could work the other way, maybe it breaks the tension a bit. But I would say maybe it takes the focus away. Just a thought, can you imagine if you'd said to McManus in '93, the next time you get mm. to the world semi-final there'll be a Twitter spat. Yeah. Which will be discussed on a podcast. Yeah. you know That illustrates how long yeah. ago it was.
1: But the thing was, Trump, yeah. I think Trump slightly missed the point. Jud- the next day he, said, well he was asked about it, he said, well I tweeted in the first match, he did, he said, I'll buy the beers if I win. Yeah. But the point about that was, that was quite funny, he yeah, wasn't getting involved yeah, yeah. in a row. I'm not saying this is why he lost, because Ding didn't play great against him, but I don't know, it, well, w- whether he do it again, we'll see. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, um, one man who wasn't playing, but certainly created a lot of headlines, was Steve Davis. Yes. So I was delighted to see tonight, actually, Barry no doubt asked him to come and present the trophy, because you know we, obviously he he hadn't played on the tour for a couple of years but to hear that steve davis has retired it's not the end of an era it's the end of very many eras yeah. because he has been there pretty much from the start of the the sort of tv professional circuit early 80s sort of when the circuit really grew and he's been a constant. And he's still going to be there, of course, as, as a pundit. But, I don't know, I was a little bit sad that he's sort of not going to play anymore. I understand why, but it was one of those
0: things, it, it, it has ended all those eras. He's sort of faded away, but hasn't he, yeah. in 2010, six years ago now that he beat yeah. John Higgins and got to the quarterfinals, it proved to be the last big hurrah for him. But, you know, I almost wouldn't even want to try to sum up Steve Davis, mm. you know, and what he's brought to the game. Where do if you start? Can't, you, you, <laughs> where do you start? And, you know... How would you explain to somebody not old enough to remember what a big star Steve Davis mm. was in the 1980s? BBC Sports Personality of the Year is one way of illustrating it. Still the only snooker player ever to have won it. Probably will always remain the only snooker player ever to have won it. Uh, but he, he, you know, just his contribution to the game on the table mm. was immense. It was probably at least as big off the table, mm. everything else he's done. and I guess it leaves Jimmy now as the only player from that era Still competing on the circuit, mm. but you know, Steve. Like it, you know, you think how long ago it is since he was a real top player, winning world titles and that, and yet he still kept plugging away year after year after mm. year, and nobody ever liked drawing him, no. even in recent years, because <laughs> sure. they knew they were really going to be made to work so hard for. It. But you know, people of our age, when we started getting into snooker, Steve Davis was not just the biggest snooker player in the world; he was the biggest sports star mm. in Britain by an absolute mile. Mm. Footballer's king. Came nowhere near that. Yeah, it is hard to sum it up.
1: I think I would say, what I would say is that to me, he is the most significant living figure in snooker. You know, if you add up all his achievements, there's nobody alive now more significant to the sport yeah. than him. Yeah. And he continues to represent it impeccably. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's just a good bloke and an yeah. ambassador, and he does all the stuff with the Paul Hunter Foundation and Will Snooker and so on. And also, what I like is he's completely content. You know, he's doing this DJ yeah, yeah, yeah. now. He's
0: sort of having his. He's, he's sort of early 20s years now, and that's great because he's got nothing to prove. Yes, and you know what, as well, you know, people talk about the selfishness and the arrogance you have to have as a champion, and of course you do, but now all that has sort of yeah. melted away a bit. He's such a humble guy. Yeah, he really is. He's just, you know, if you didn't know who he was and you saw him walking around mm. at the Crucible, you wouldn't think he was anyone special. So, great guy, Stephen. You know, it, it is so. Uh, so important that he remains involved. He's on the WPBSA board. He does the TV work. I'm sure he'll find other roles within the game. I know he's involved in various campaigns, getting kids into yeah. playing snooker. And you know, I think more should be made of him. I really do. Yeah. You know. So we'll see what the future holds from him. But uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy his retirement. Well, let's have a night as well while, while we're at it. Oh, well, long overdue.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, Tonight, breaking news, uh, Barry Herman has announced that uh, Sheffield, well it was worded quite carefully, they said Sheffield will keep the World Championship for 10 years, but Barry said, look we mean the Crucible, we've yeah. given ourselves some leeway, but you know, we don't want it in Ponds Forge, it's mm. going to be the Crucible, and okay look, we know that not everyone can get tickets, With it's a small venue, but... Why would you want to move it from the no, Crucible? No. And, I
0: mean you could sell the thousands of extra tickets but the championship would be diminished so much. Yeah. It would probably commercially lose out yeah, yeah. You know, in, in so many other ways as well. So look, we're all delighted to see that. And You know what, you remember the hand to mouth existence the game was going mm. through five or ten years ago? Now we're talking ten year deals. Mm. I mean who does ten year deals nowadays? Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently you know, World Snooker are doing them and it's great to know there's going to be you know, all these tournaments now underpinned by the big new television contract with Eurosport, the Crucible. Uh, we're going to be here for, well, there's still one more year in the current deal, isn't there? Mm. And then the 10 years. It so takes you up to years. 50 years. 50 at the years at the Crucible. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely re- re- remarkable stuff. And You know, you, you couldn't recreate this anywhere else. There's something unique about it. I know the people out in China have tried to build a replica of the mm. Crucible. But you, you wouldn't recreate the same atmosphere. And, you know, it's because, you know, it's because it's the World Championship that mm. that all feels so special. But, you know, that's if, if you took it somewhere else and Somebody won a world championship anywhere other than the crucible. I don't think it would feel the same to them, it wouldn't feel the same to us. It's great that we don't have to talk about this again for so yeah. long now, yeah. You know, because I, I actually get a little bit sick of being asked about it in you know various radio pieces mm. or whatever that I do every year. You know, people want to talk about moving away from the crucible, and I was again being asked about it this year when it wasn't even really on the agenda. Mm. So hopefully, now it'll be a few years before it uh, comes up again. And mm. I hope it stays here till the end of time. I'm not going to.
1: Comment on this because I was part of it, but you spent a lot of the tournament watching the coverage on the various yeah. channels. Have you got anything
0: to say about any of that? Nothing that we can put on the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's so extensive is one yeah. thing. I'd say, I mean, I watched you know more of it because I only came over for the, for the later stages, so I watched you know so much of it on television, But with the red button and obviously Eurosport and all the rest of it. You can just watch uh, so much of it, and you know, I certainly uh, made made great use of that. I'm sensing a bit of a revival. You know, in the UK, in yeah. some, we know about the global growth, but I am sensing a bit of a revival in the UK. You look at a lot of the sort of well-known people that have come to watch. We had Roy Keane here today for mm. the final. Danny Willett, the new Masters yeah, golf yeah. champion, was here. Kevin Cobain. Yeah, um, I, I agree. There's a sort of credibility, and it was helped yeah. by it was helped by Ding's run
1: because we there weren't the knocking pieces. No one could say, "Oh, look, there's two English people in the final." What we'll talk about Ding in a minute, but mm. him getting to the final, you know, made it a global event. Yeah. We, I mean, in China on Saturday for the semi-final. The, the, the snooker on CCTV their main channel got twenty seven percent of the viewing audience, which is hundreds of millions of people. I know, I know. you know This is not just some something
0: played in a theater in sheffield this is the world is watching yeah no absolutely, and you know it 's like people say about soccer I hate using that word in America, five percent of the American population get into soccer <laughs> that 's still a huge amount of people yeah. it's, you know it 's an even bigger. Amount in China, and you know, of course, everything would have exploded on a you know much bigger scale if Ding had uh, had won the World Championship tonight. But you know, it's a bit like Jimmy. Jimmy was much more popular because he never won it. You know, it'll keep the interest. Can you imagine the interest that'll be in China now Mm -hmm. next season, going into the World Championship after Ding had uh, had got so close? But um, yeah, closer to home, there is definitely a bit of an upsurge again. I think. People have been, certain people who don't know anything about snooker have been sliding it off for so mm. long, it was so fashionable a generation mm. ago, then it's all come full circle again. Mm. You might say that snooker is the ABBA of the sporting world. In fact, I just did say <laughs> that. Did. Well, so, well, I wasn't going to say it, but you, be, <laughs> but you did. Um, it was money, money, money from Mark Selby.
1: <laughs> yes, at one point it looked like it did in an MSS SOS a spill. Yeah. Not, we won't go down that road, because yeah. um, we've got to go to the party in a minute. Indeed. But um, let's talk about Ding then, because... Yeah. I mean, I was delighted to see him do well. You know, he's such a great player to watch, a fantastic break builder. But also, you know, we were waiting for him to do well at the Crucible, and you were starting to think, well, he just can't play at the venue. But the whole business of dropping out the top 16 did him a weird favour. He didn't come here as a seed. He was toughened up. He only got seven frames in
0: the qualifiers. And just had a great couple of weeks. Yeah, and we did a podcast back in February. We were talking yeah. about potential world champions, and I said, look out for the guys who get to <coughs> quarterfinals and semifinals, not necessarily winning tournaments in the run-up to Sheffield. And that was Dean, of mm. course, because he did have a couple of good tournaments. Uh, the qualifiers, you know, he won them all easily, um, as you say. So he did the three best of 19 matches to sharpen him up. And then the schedule worked out brilliantly for him, because he then had a week off. Mm. And, of course, he lives in Sheffield, so he was mm. going home to his own bed, so it didn't really feel like such a slog for him. Um, he's definitely got over that now, hasn't he? That, you know, the whole thing about not being able to play well yeah. at the Crucible, because he played so well in this championship. He probably played the best over the course of the championship, but... Mm-hmm. You know, just got stung by uh, falling behind in the early stages of the final. But it's great to have him back up there because, mm. you know, we've missed him a bit as a top player in the mm. last couple of years because he hasn't been a top player, you know, probably since he won the China Open in mm. 2014, uh, just before the World Championship, and uh, then, then went right off the boil. But he's still, again, very young and, I don't know, I mean, uh, you still feel he'll win it mm. at some stage, don't you? Yeah, well, I was just thinking
1: there's quite a few champions who've lost a final and then come on yeah, come nearly above. all of them actually yeah. have lost
0: a final either before yeah. or after. Yeah. So
1: I'd be amazed if it's, if it's his last final. I mean, I really like Ding. I don't know him particularly well, if at all, like, like I do some players, but he always comes across as very humble, you oh, know, yeah. he, he's quite softly spoken. It's very hard to hear him in the press conference mm-hmm. that I'm stood at the back of. But just seems a, a nice lad, actually, and, yeah. and, and also content in himself. It was just, you know, at times in his early career, it was difficult coming to Britain, but seems nicely settled here in Sheffield, and um, you just saw the interest, all the Chinese journalists that we had in the, in the media centre, and obviously all the people watching uh, in China, and also
0: in the in the Crucible itself. He was more, the more popular of the two. He was yeah. getting much more support, maybe yeah. because he was behind, yeah. but also yeah, they yeah, did yeah. warm to him. Yeah, yeah. And he'll learn a lot from this, yeah. will You know, because he will be in a world final again. You have to think, and you know, I think his inexperience in this world final stage that Marcus Elby's experienced twice before was a big factor in the mm. early stages. So the next time he's in a world final, you wouldn't be surprised if it was next year. He will have learned so much from that, and you know, it was the start and the match that ultimately cost him. Yeah. So it could be a very different story next time. And again, we talk about having a good guiding hand. You know Terry Griffiths. You know it took a few months, I think, for his message to get through to Ding, hmm. but it clearly has over the last few months because his results in the run up to Sheffield, you know, were quite good. Hmm. Uh, he's back firmly inside the top sixteen now. I think he'll go into next season at number nine. He's only heading in one direction next season. I think hmm. much
1: much higher than that. Well, let's uh, end as we started, not with the raw wedding in Moldavia from, <laughs> din- from Dynasty, but um, with Mark Selby, our world yeah. champion. Um, you know, Mark, he does attract some criticism. Not everyone enjoys his style of play. That's a personal choice. But I don't see how anyone can't admire the work he's put in. You know, we know from when he won it the first time, he had a very humble upbringing. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, the struggle to play snooker. He seems to me to be someone who's grateful to the game. You know, he doesn't yeah. get involved in sniping about things. He's actually very grateful. I mean, I did a podcast with him as well, which is available to listen to, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was clear that he understood, without snooker, you know, he might be in a difficult place in his life. So... I'm personally very happy for him and his family that, you know, that, he, that he's done it again. It's an incredible
0: achievement. And that's why he worked so hard at it. Mm. You know? And not just in practice, but when he's out there in the match arena, you've got to work just as hard out there. Yeah. That's how he won the championship, really. Yeah. You know, someone with a lesser work ethic mm. would not maybe have won the championship. Mm. But what a funny season, in a sense, you know. now that we come to the end of it. Because he hadn't won you know, a major tournament yeah. all season. He'd won one of the European Tour events, I think. John Higgins was the only player this season to win two mm. ranking events. And... They seem like a long time ago now. So, you know, again, you know, this title's just been shared around so much. Mm. And uh, it it just feels a bit, or it certainly felt a bit over the last few months to me, like players were getting their turn. You felt it was Judd's turn, and he got it in China. Mark Selby hadn't had his turn, but of course he timed it perfectly and got got, got it now. But Mm. listen, you watch more snooker than anyone. I mean, Mm. how would you sum up the season? Well, the the funny thing is, you almost feel now
1: it's not a season because they just basically play all year. Um, you're right, people have had their spells, um, but what, what I think it's shown in regards to the World Championship is that everything else that's happened really during the season is almost irrelevant because this tournament's played in a completely different format. You know, the longer matches, the two session, three, four session matches. This is out on its own, and if anything, it's becoming more special because of all the other events. It's actually people are looking at the World Championship now in, in a slightly different light. I think snooker genuinely, is on the up and up. I mean, I've worked in it now nearly 20 years. And for me, this is the best period of that 20 yeah, years. Yeah. I think there's a buzz around. Barry Hearn, you know, he's an ebullient man who's signing all these deals left, right and centre. There's money coming to the sport. Not everything's perfect, we know that, but there's more to be enthusiastic about and positive about than there is to be negative about. And I hope that snooker fans have, have enjoyed the season, will enjoy the off-season, not that much of it. And, uh, you know, we'll all go again for the next one for
0: endless tournaments by the way all these new events what is it 16, 17 ranking events something like that next season so I mean I couldn't agree more this is the best time in the 20 years or so that Mm. we've been in the game and you know it's only going to get better and better and you know it's been a good world championship I don't believe you ever get a bad one Mm. I don't think this has been one of the very best but I think it's been a championship that has only fueled uh, that resurgence and interest in the game and uh, you know you, you think of the sort of miserable sort of ways we used to end seasons, but you know, when you, you remember the state the game was in, you know, have we ever looked ahead, you know, with more optimism than mm-hmm. we do now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well,
1: thank you for joining me. Uh, this is the last podcast of what I rather grandly call the series. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened, commented, um, tweeted about it. If you've got any, we will be back. We're taking a break now because, you know, we're all snookered out. We'll be back uh, at some point, in, I guess, in the summer and start again. If you have any ideas for for guests you want to hear, I mean, I know everyone wants to hear Ronnie and and the top players, but I'm trying to do different things, not just interview, not just make it the same every time. So I'll have a think about that, but you can tweet me at Dave Hendon as well if you have any ideas. Thanks for listening, and uh, that's it. I'm now off to the post final party where I Mm -hmm. intend to get wildly drunk. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.